Okay, as usual, I'm on a tight schedule because I'll be at, uh, at 3.30 p.m. Probably the kids will break in. So uh, whenever we are ready, let's go. Alessio, you should invest in some sandbags so you can barricade yourself uh, to avoid your kid breaking in. I, I really should, but the, this is their home, and actually, I think the grandparents will kill me because these are the, the in-laws. So, not my mother. So, <laughs> cannot cannot uh, cannot kid to, cannot stretch the stretch it, stretch their patience too much. Hello and welcome to The Last Standee, a board game podcast coming to you from five exciting countries across Europe. I am joined here today by Alexis. Hi, that's me. Alessio. Hello. Audrey. Hey, hey. From a desert with no water, David. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) And I am your host, Fen. We're going to be talking about a range of different topics across the hobby and we'll start as we always do with the Standee catch-up. So, uh, David, as soon as I've uh, buried the lead there, so to speak, um, if that's the right term, do you want to tell us how things are going with you? Uh, So basically what happened last night, uh, the main water pipe here broke down and flooded the uh, street in front of our building. So I'm without water right now, which is amazing if you drink like tap water all the time. (laughs) And it's, it's annoying, but hopefully they will fix it by tonight. Just wow. <laughs> now, so hopefully none of the other um, uh, facilities get, utilities get knocked out. Yeah, it's the second time now, like one or two years ago, that the same thing happened at the exactly same spot. And uh, I just hope that uh, my internet connection and uh, power supply will keep up and won't get shut down in the meanwhile. So if I drop out of the this recording, you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, a tidal wave has come in and pushed you away. I hereby suggest to have a column in the last Andy catch-up, which is keep up with David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always always exciting things. Yeah, your life is amazing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if amazing is the right word. May you live in interesting <laughs> times is indeed a curse, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but I, it only can get better from here on. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, in which case, Alexis, how have you been? I've been mostly well, uh, continuing my uh, job search at the moment. I went to see my parents recently and we played a bit of uh, Time Stories, which I'm not going to talk into detail in one of our episodes, but I think it's it's nice to mention that the game has some ni- good mechanics, but a big problem with uh, its themes and setting. Uh, the core box specifically is played in a 1920 asylum and they do it in a in a very um, uncritical and, ins- and borderline insensitive way, which is very strange when the, the base setting of the game allows them to explore pretty much any time or place and they just pick that one with absolutely no um, regard towards anything. But um, there are some some good mechanics. So uh, maybe if uh, maybe if there's later a, a core box that is released with a, a more interest, something more interesting, and maybe a little bit more uh, work behind there, the themes and setting, it might be good. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, and that that's pretty much it. 
So it's a bit of a detective-y type game, if I'm right here, like investigating, trying to figure out the correct puzzle. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a, if a point-and-click game was turned into a board game. It's very uh, cooperative and meant to be sort of role-played. Mm -hmm. um, but but the characters that you play is, uh, in the core box at the very least are like someone that has been interned for their paranoia, someone that has been interned for their erotomani, which you would wish that the writers had spent a little bit more time thinking about what they were writing. Hmm. It reminds me a little bit of Chrononauts, um, yeah. which uh, is a lot, it's had a lot of praise for its writing, but less praise for its mechanics. Um, so, where it just sounds a little bit like maybe the other way around here, where it's yes, just like the writing's so. letting it down. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Audrey? Yes, that's me. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's happened? Yeah, quite a few things uh, happened lately. Uh, my parents visited for the... Is it Pentecost in English? Uh, don't know, but Pentecostal is an adjective. So I guess so. For the yeah. weekend of uh, uh, Pentecost? It's Whitson. Um, in... Whitson? Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay, so they came for the weekend of... Uh, they visited for the weekend of... Whitson, and uh, they brought uh, a few games that I advised them to buy. So we played Coatl, uh, Quirkle, which were their games, and they definitely had the rules wrong, so I corrected them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also made them try some of our games, which were uh, Chakra and Forbidden Island, because I wanted to show them a co-op game, and they asked for a second game of. Uh, uh, Forbidden Island after we of course lost the first one even in easy mode uh, but we won the second game so they, they were really happy uh, and I gifted them uh, Codex Naturalis for uh, Mother's and Father's Day in advance um, so that's for the family part and uh, for just my boyfriend and I we decided to stop our Tainted Grade campaign uh, because we found out that the last four chapters are uninteresting. We, we don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> we think that uh, the mechanics become a bit boring and it's just like yeah go to the same places to find something different or in the hopes of finding something different and we didn't feel that there was much of the lore to be found there so yeah basically we prefer the first two thirds let's say of the campaign uh, over the last third mm. so we we just decided to stop and uh, following that, we opened the Pandemic Legacy Season Zero box and we started and so far we have uh, five months played. And overall, I'd say we are doing average plus, not really good. We we missed some objectives, but yeah, that, that's okay. We, we are not getting uh, swarmed or stuff like that. But uh, honestly, the other game is, I, I think it's really a good game. And yes, I destroy the cards because that's how it's meant to be. And I said for once, I'm going to play a legacy game, how it's supposed to be played. <laughs> yeah, I really, really like um, Pandemic uh, Legacy Season Zero. I think it's the one where they everything works. The theme fits the, uh, the mechanics and it's just enjoyable and well put yeah, together. Yeah, and the box... And the box is big enough for my cat now that he's one year old. <laughs> that's, that's always important, yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. I gotta say, it, it's really nice to hear um, your parents like embracing this journey down with board gaming. That's um, something I wish my parents would do. Yeah, I will talk uh, again about that in one of our subjects uh, <laughs> again. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy that I get to showcase games for them. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice, nice way to socialize. I find with the, with the family, um, you know, it gives you a f activity to focus on. Maybe in those times where otherwise people would sit around or maybe pick up their phones or something. It's a, uh, it's a good, good thing. Yeah, once we once we got them uh, set up with uh, TTS uh, controls, everything went fine. But before that, my mom had the screen moving or everything, so she couldn't play really well. But now everything is fine, so we need to schedule another game. Sounds sounds fun. Um, and Alessio, how have things been with you? Oh, mostly fine. I, I would, uh, uh, in my head, I was thinking I would talk about how I'm getting decent at uh, Beyond the Sun on Board Game Arena because I managed to win a couple of games in a row. So this is, wow, kudos to me, hooray. But actually, the, the, the thing that made the news for me is that uh, there's actually at uh, Hasbro's account for uh, HeroQuest Reprint, uh, it seems that uh, Zargon has taken over. So if you go check Twitter on at HeroQuest account, you, you will find tweets from the perspective of Zargon or Morkar, aka the titular villain of the HeroQuest series. Uh, yeah. they, they are kind of juvenile in a bit, but they are fun. fun to, uh, And they answered us. Uh, actually, <laughs> we, we mentioned uh, HeroQuest and we got an answer with the Less Than D Twitter account. Yeah, it's it's been fun. For those people who are... Uh, I'm sure everyone should be familiar with HeroQuest, but um, more... Um, Mordka, um, what, what was it again? Um, Zargoth? Zargoth? I always Z Zargon, like Power Rangers. Zargon, yes, Zargon. <laughs> yeah, Zargon's the American name for him. Um, is uh, the He's a wizard dressed up all in red who sits on the GM screen. Like, very iconic. Um, I remember one of my friends back in the UK, he treasures his copy of HeroQuest. He's, like, quite a bit older than me, um, and he pulled it out for us to play, and my god, it's terrible. <laughs> it's it's fun though it's it's really fun and i understand the nostalgia so much that i went i'm gonna get this redone version when it comes um but uh, yeah it's been a lot of fun seeing him engage all in caps and uh, uh and add that nice mix of self-deprecating as well as arrogant it's 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 interesting because he wasn't really much of an entity in the game from what i understood he was just on the gm screen um, yeah, yeah, you you, ne you never met him actually. Yeah. It was the sorcerer lord or witch lord or something like that. Yeah, there, there's there was a witch lord, but he he was like undead or something, like a lich, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but... kind of a lich or a necromancer. Mm. It it uh, posed as a standee for uh, a necromancer hero on the second edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, I think, mm. or first maybe, uh, the one with the scale which is a bit off. Oh, I have no idea. Yes, uh, first, first, first or second edition? Hmm. Yeah, that's outside of my remit of knowledge. I don't, I don't know much about first and second edition. I've seen the Rogue Trader Trader book though for forty k, with the Crimson Fists. Is it on the cover? Uh, Crimson Fists on the cover of Rogue Trader. Hmm. I think so. Ah, uh, don't, don't, don't remember. Actually, I never played Rogue Trader. 
me, me either, but I've seen like copies of that book. I just haven't seen the fantasy stuff. Uh, but yeah, okay. And then uh, as for me, uh, we got woodpeckers. That's yeah. Been, that's been the, the, just literally just today. The f- first fledgling um, went outside and it was an absolute disaster. So um, <laughs> for, for, we got a tree in the garden that's always had this hole in it we moved here and we thought that they'd been man-made because the tree's been bolted to support it so we thought it was drilled for access turns out no that's wrong it's it's a woodpecker nest which is nuts because this thing's like a meter off the ground it's like terrible safety but i guess the the woodpeckers felt that it was um, safe enough to to use um in previous years because they'll always come back to the same nest so i have to put up with this again next spring probably but they settled in. We heard like a, a cacophony of tiny baby bird noises coming from the garden a few weeks ago. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Eventually we saw uh, two woodpeckers going in and out of the hole. And I was like, OK, well, we got a woodpecker nest. So I had to fence off that tree um, to keep our dog Pam away from it because um, she's very prone to chasing the birds off the lawn. She has a long standing rivalry with um, Bessie, the big crow. We have a really big hooded crow, like an absolutely massive one that um, that lives around here um, and fights with everything else in the garden. The starlings hate her. But anyway, uh, today I'm working in my office on the other side of the house and I just hear this strange bark from Pam in the garden. It's not like any of her usual barks. She has one bark for, oh my God, there's someone walking past the house. She has a different one for, hey, you get off our porch. And a different one entirely for, I know you, I like you. Come here, come here, I'm going to shout at you. But this one was just like an odd bark. So I thought, oh, I better go out and check what's going on because we're near fledgling time. Ugh. And uh, sure enough, she's run straight into the um, fencing I've put up and crashed it against the tree. Ooh. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, oh, God, what's going on here? A fledgling must have come out. And I look and I look down and trapped between the trunk of the tree and the fence, like a wing sprayed out is this little fledgling woodpecker. Yeah. I I'm like, oh, God, no. So I immediately tell her off and I tell her off and make her go inside. And she's like really like apologetic and sad about it. Um, tail between the legs. And I go back out and... It still hasn't moved, so I, I lift the fence away and it starts moving around. And I'm like, okay, f- well, thank goodness, because the actual fence itself has been bent around the tree. So she hit the fence into the tree higher up than where the bird was located. And it it, um, it didn't break its wings, which is incredible, because it's a bird. They're very fragile. Um, yeah, thank God. Though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I pulled the fence away, it kind of fussed a bit, and then started climbing up the tree. And then jumped out of the tree and floated a bit down and landed on the lawn a distance away from me and i was like I, you can't be out on the lawn like there's there's a crow the cr- the crow will eat you so i have to go over and like shepherd it back towards the tree and then it panics and tries running through the fence and the fence gaps are just too small for the bird to get through so i have to pick it up which is you know i've I, i've never met a woodpecker before in my life before we had these in the garden so i picked up a woodpecker today and popped it back on the tree it was actually a, clearly a very scared and didn't know exactly what was going on so it uh, it didn't fuss or fly away or anything I got it back onto the tree trunk and then i took the fence down because if it can't fit through the gaps in the fence it's going to be flying away from the tree again it needs to be able to get back to the nest for uh, a, a, until it's strong enough to fly on its own 
So the fence is down and now Pam's banned from the garden. Um, and that first fledgling has climbed up to the top of the tree and is now hanging out up there. So it's pretty safe, <laughs> I think. And the second one is poking its head out and looking around and still calling. It's a bit confused where its parents are and where um, its uh, sibling is. So we don't know exactly how many we're going to have to deal with. Uh, typically, this is a greater spotted woodpecker. They're the ones with the um, they're black and white. They have a red um, chest normally, uh, like butt area, um, belly, I should say. And the fledglings have a red head. Um, they usually lay a clutch of four to six eggs. So we're going to have to see if how many of those have hatched. But yeah, that's been um, that's been most of this morning dealing with, with all of that stuff. And now I just have to hope that the crow doesn't get at the fledglings because I really don't want to have to deal with that. I'm not interested in having um, woodpeckers dying in the garden because, well we need more woodpeckers on the island they're not they're not enough of them so we have to protect the nesting site yeah absolutely oh well i don't want to be the the party pooper here but i think we have to talk about more games now oh we do we do we're gonna start with um a a rather big broad thing we're doing one of our lists stem lists but more specifically it's um board game geeks list we're going to be looking at the golden geek 2020 um yeah, just the first to third place because it's been impossible to find the full nomination list. So we're going to be going through. We, you might find us skip past some, um, either because the same game keeps turning up in a given category or because none of us have played it. Um, but uh, we'll we'll take it from the top of the list. So you can find this on Board Game Geek at the 15th Golden Geek Awards winners if you want to follow along. And um, right, well, who wants to start with the two-player category? Oh, oh, I can since I have the game actually. So, okay, uh, the two-player game category for uh, 2020 was uh, was won by Undaunted North Africa, which is uh, a kind of spin-off or sequel to Undaunted Normandy. It uh, basically uh, is a war game set in North Africa. Uh, it puts Italian fascist forces uh, uh, against the against the long range. Uh, something, something. Uh, fan, help me because that's a British. Uh, that's a British force. Uh, Ooh, um, let me give me a second. Uh, I, I know it's it's. Uh, while I look this up, uh, oh, it's the, oh yeah, sorry, it's the British Army's long range desert group, which interestingly, yeah. my mother's father. Uh, mother's father's father was in. He was in the the long range desert group as an engineer. Um, he uh, well, what can you say? He nearly, um, he nearly died out there. It's a story I'll tell sometime. Oh, so so your grandfather could have killed my grandfather? No, actually, that that didn't happen. So <laughs> my grandfather made it back safely. <laughs> Anyway, uh, like I said, it was won uh, by Undaunted uh, North Africa, and it has beaten a matched Cobble and Fog, which is, I think, a standalone expansion for a matched. And yes, I, 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 I have unmatched um, Buffy and unmatched uh, Battle of Legends Volume 1, and they're right I, here. I played a bit of an unmatched. I really like this as a, as a two-player game. I think it's... Uh... A very fun one to to play along uh, a friend. Is Cobble and Fog the one with Sherlock Holmes and the Invisible Man? Yes. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, he hasn't um, come out yet over here. Whoop, I dropped the boxes over. Um, 
but uh, it's it's really really good, like very enjoyable two player game. And yeah. the the best part of the of that game is that every character is extremely uh, unique. They all play in a very different way, and so the um, the asymmetric uh, gameplay uh, and the the way that different characters will play against each other is mainly the the fun that you're going to experience. So every expansion adds so much to the game. Yeah, which which characters have you played with? Um, I've played as it's been a while i played against the invisible man i think i play as jekyll and hyde and as alice which is the alice is in the first game and jekyll and Ooh. hyde is in the the cobble and fog game, El- alice is op alice is great she's a great <laughs> character but she got killed by um i think it's the sasquatch or the yeti or some type of big feet yes <laughs> yeah bigfoot that, that killed uh that killed alice but uh yeah really fun to play yeah, Alice is in the Battle of Legends Volume 1, along with Medusa and King Arthur um, and Sinbad. Uh, who do you, oh yeah, I also played as Sinbad. Who do you like to play, then? Oh, um, I'm I'm all for playing as um, either Buffy or Spike. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, that's the Buffy expansion, which is uh, actually, I think it's good. I also really like the Raptors, but I don't own that, unfortunately. Oh, the Jurassic Park one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is becoming an unmatched uh, topic. So uh, the, the other runner-up is Imperial Struggle, which is kind of an evolution of the mechanics of Twilight Struggle. It's actually kind... Uh, I didn't play it, so I can't say a lot, but I I looked at a couple of reviews by more competent reviewers uh, than me, actually, and... Uh, I'd say that uh, it evolved a lot on the mechanics, but is uh, kind of the, s- the the same-ish card play than Twilight Struggle. Uh, don't if-, if if it works, don't fix it. Remember, Twilight Struggle dominated the uh, rankings for a long time for good reason. Yeah, of course, uh, Twilight Struggle is still one of my favorite one-on-one. I have to say, of the complex favorite one-on-one. Uh, uh, of course, knowing that uh, you have equally skilled uh, opponents because the skill level uh, he m- makes the game fun or boring. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, often a case with um, with those kind of games. And anyway, so it won Undaunted, which in this case is a bit different from... It uses the same card activation mechanic you uh, you had in Normandy, but it's a bit different because the factions are widely asymmetrical. Uh, specifically, the Italians have the, ve- the vehicles, while the while the English basically have the, I'd say, the movement or the range or the objectives, but it plays a lot asymmetrical. And uh, to cut this short, I, I kind of agree with, uh, with the Golden Geek Award here. I think that Undaunted North Africa deserves a lot to be the winning two-player game for that year. Yeah, it's not my kind of jam, but um, people have really raved about it. Uh, we're going to skip the artwork presentation section because every single game mentioned on there comes in a dif- up in a different category. And then there's the card games, the winner of which, a uh, little tiny bit controversial, was a worker placement slash card game Dune Imperium, um, which is very good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it-, it was up against proper pure cr- card games within the category. And so... Uh, it- I don't know. I don't know. For me, I wouldn't have uh, put it in the card game category at all. 
Yeah, actually the problem is that Dan Imperium is not a card game. It uses cards, it has a light building theme, but it's not a card game. It's a worker placement slash deck builder with a lot of intrigue in the middle. It's an, it's an awesome game. Actually, I think it's the best of the three mentioned, but uh, it's not a card game, so it shouldn't be there. Well, I mean, you know, the nominations are as they are. The system is as it is. Uh, the runner-up we've talked about on this um, podcast before, that's Fort. So we don't need to go into detail there except to say Fort's great. Yeah. Really great. Uh, and then um, Oceans was the other runner-up, which I've been toying with uh, talking about some points, but I need it's... to play it with more players. It's an engine building game, right? It is. Yeah, it's an yeah. engine building game with um, the theme of being species surviving and um, feeding off each other within uh, the same ecosphere. And it's, it's quite vicious at times, which is fun. Um, but as I say, I don't think it makes for a great two-player game, which is why I haven't had a chance to fully <laughs> review it. I've only uh, given it a, a short try, but uh, it seemed to function a lot like uh, Race for the Galaxy. So it has... Um... It has to really prove itself against Race of the Galaxy to me. Yeah, it has some similarities. Uh, it does feel quite different to me. Um, okay. Yeah, but you're, you're kind of, instead of building a tableau, you're kind of building mini tableaus of each particular fish and or, mm. or octopus or whatever, or cuttlefish, hopefully, because they're amazing, um, and how they, uh, how they work. And some of them might feed off other fish people or be an apex top end predator or bottom feeder or whatever um the game has two modes so it's a little family friendly mode it gets really interesting for gamers when you play with a deep deck which provides a bunch of unique nuts sort of crazy abilities it's it's i think it's quite good but uh, as i say you do have to be willing to roll with the punches if somebody starts eating up your species <laughs> see right then we got um Cooperative games. Um, no surprise, any year that Gloomhaven is released, Gloomhaven wins the categories it's nominated in. It's the winner for the cooperative game. I do think that's actually kind of fair. This is a, I, I really like Jaws of the Lion as a two-player game in particular. Um, not perfect, uh, but a significant improvement over the original Gloomhaven in many aspects. Oh, yeah. Really? Mm. Yeah, the, the book system uh, is tighter, the scenarios are better balanced, the characters, I think, work together better, although the support healing one is not good in every circumstance. She, You shouldn't really play her until you're at least at three players. Um, and there are some like disturbing undertones of speciesism that, uh, as some people have joked, basically any time you make a decision, uh, pick the one that would you'd consider to be like morally wrong and racist, and that's the best choice. <laughs> wasn't wasn't the plan for I'm sure yeah. when they were writing, but I, I I read a wonderful comment from um one woman who said when she played with her husband, uh, whenever it's time to make a decision, they sang the racist song <laughs> to help remind them that they shouldn't make the decision they thought was morally correct, but make the one that fits within the world. Okay, Frost Heaven is guaranteed to improve on this. <laughs> yeah, uh. certainly. Uh, then we have the runner-up. Uh, Audrey already mentioned this: Pandemic Legacy Season Zero very deserved i feel yeah i'm sure i'm playing it now because in french it happened later than everywhere else mm -hmm. uh it's well i only got to play it at the start of this year 
um, as well. So yeah, a fantastic game. And then uh, the third one is it was also in the zoomable category is Forgotten Waters, which I've been playing recently, and it is the party game version of Sleeping Gods. That's the <laughs> oh. best way to describe it. it. It is. It plays up to seven players, and it works with that many players. It is fun. It's light. It's enjoyable. The app is brilliant. It is like hilarious. Um, we were playing and um, Profi. Uh, what is it? He, he he ran into a battle, and the app had him had an encounter with a woman with two. Um, two peg legs i think it was and he slew her and cut her down and then she was having a go at him while dying and he went oh i'll help you pulled the sword out and that was the worst thing to do and she bled everywhere and died and this woman with two eye patches then like had a go at him and cursed him <laughs> now we thought that was quite funny but then a while later that woman with two eye patches comes back and then profi accidentally kills her as well and so she cursed and, and the writing is so good you, you even have the app can read all the stuff out for you the guy doing the reading is for phenomenal the game mm, like yes it is one of my games of the year for last year definitely even though i only got to play it this year it's isaac vega that's uh, dead of winter um you know i think anything he does i'm always going to take a close look at going ahead because i like his writing i like his mechanics i think he's great great recommendation then mm, yeah um expansions somebody want to take expansions of course yeah, I can do expansions, even though I haven't played any other games. <laughs> but uh, I, I, in my opinion, uh, two of them of the list, the winner and one of the runner-up, were just obvious choices. Wingspan is incredibly popular. Yeah, mm -hmm. for good reasons. Yeah. I still I, haven't I want played to play it. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the Oceana expansion because it's the cockatiels. It it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a Golden Geek Award if there wasn't uh, Wingspan as a winner somehow. <laughs> yeah, the, get your Golden Geek bingo out. Wingspan yeah. or expansion, Gloomhaven, boom boom. Yeah. Root. Yes. Root, yes. which is the next one with the Underworld expansion. That's a really yeah. good expansion. Yeah, actually, I think that uh, both the runner-ups were better than the winner. Then there is the other runner-up, which is Jagged Earth for Spirit Island, which I, I should play it someday. Yeah. Uh, I should find it someday first. I think at some point we, we're going to have to sit down and talk about Spirit Island because everything it does is absolutely um, phenomenal. I recently read on a private Discord a piece from somebody who lives in an island nation that's been like... Um, exploited and dealt with colonialism and everything, and he said that Spirit Island was the first time um, I say he, actually, they, I don't know the gender, they, um, uh, they felt that this was the first time a game spoke to them about their situation and how they felt. Um, and that was really nice because there was obviously a lot of very clever things in that game. So uh, uh, thumbs up for Spirit Island for me, at least. Yeah, that, that's the king. That's the king of cooperative games for me. So anything that comes out for Spirit Island, if it's that, if it's even Alphazd, if uh, it, it's still a good expansion, Jack Darth, they outdone that themselves. It adds a lot to the game and improves on every mechanic. 
the, the only problem is probably that uh, you have to have played everything else because uh, it gets complexity over complexity and the rulebook isn't that good and there are a lot of contradiction and errata and fixes so and clarifications so it's a bit difficult to pick up to start with you have to, to have 20 20 plays under under your belt before you can say you are playing correctly jagged art i think 20 plays of uh, old spirit island and the other expansions of cooks it is wow. definitely a game you need to play and replay and replay. Um, it's also, I think, at its best played at least two-player because a lot of the spirits are very much about comboing with each other and it can be overwhelming to try and control multiple spirits single-handed. Even though you, you, you can have everything laid out on the table, it's a lot to take in and plan. I definitely will need to give it a try then. Yeah, there's, um, there's an app on Steam. Um, I actually really like it. It's had some mixed reviews, but I, I, I find that the best way of solo playing um, the game. It just handles everything really well. I, I'm a little bit of a Luddite, though, so I sit there with my um, tablet and I copy it with physically with the board because it just helps me <laughs> helps me slow down my thinking and make good decisions. It's also great because the app tells you you can like future see where everything's going to spread to, which helps a lot, you know. Yes. Um, Right, when we've got the innovative category, David, would you like to tell us about some innovative stuff? Has he flooded away? Uh, he has! <laughs> oh my god! Oh. <laughs> I, oh, he literally... There he is. Uh, hey. <laughs> hey, David. Hey. Like, my connection cut out for a second. It I... literally uh, cut uh, out right as I was saying, would you like to tell us about the innovative games? He just doesn't want to. He's gone again. I will. Okay. I will. Uh, Alexis, would you Discord like to tell songs. us about the innovative games? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I was actually going to do the light uh, game of the year. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Category. Sure. Sure. Then, Audrey, could you would you like to continue with the innovative category? Yes, I can continue with the innovative category. And the first, <laughs> the winner is a game that my sister bought, and I gave her some unlock boxes, and she has to trade it uh, for me. So I can't wait to get my hands on her uh, box of Micro Macro Crime City. Uh, I don't know uh, about you, but I am part mostly of French board game uh, communities because, yeah, it's easier to ask uh, when you have. Uh, questions about rules and stuff when the names of the rules are the same. Uh, it was a big hit in the French uh, community. Really huge. Uh, so I don't really know outside uh, of the French community, but uh, yeah, during the autumn, it was just everything you could hear about and uh, how it was um, out of stock in every single store. So yeah, that it was obvious that it would win innovative category. Yeah, I heard that it's really good. I could not get my hands on this, except um, fully in Swedish, and my Swedish comprehension isn't good enough yet. So um, I, I like this as in, um, I'm not going to take too long, but I really enjoy these detective style of games, which all sort of descend from Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. Um, I like how Micro Macro is taking this format and making it visual, which allows for... Um, People who maybe have trouble with reading, um, dyslexics or, or similar, uh, and also younger people to engage with it. Although, having said that, there's a couple of cases in Micro Macro that are not exactly child friendly. Um, so, I, I also know uh, from what I've heard, 
uh, is that when you are played uh, or you are playing or you are making kids play usually two maybe three kids is a, a maximum because else the, the you're just too crammed over the map and it's very hard on uh, as well if you have uh, there is a magnifier in the box i think and it's one magnifier so yeah you have to handle the amount of people playing so yeah there, there's a bit of optimization to do there and especially with kids to avoid them fighting over the magnifier yeah sounds like it's something that um would be good for uh maybe like clubs with younger children and families with with children as well um uh sounds and you, you can teach children to share the magnifier, which is good as well. Hmm. Yeah. You can have a box full of spare magnifiers and make them all share one to learn sharing. <laughs> they're sharing, they're gonna, they get another one. Uh, what was the next game? Uh, the Search for Planet X. And I've heard that it's uh, great to play. And I've also been looking forward to, to give it a try. Yeah, I've heard good things about this. I've heard, interestingly, um, you can find Planet X and not be the winner. With the way the game works, which is which is pretty cool, that yeah. um, it, it's quite innovative and quite complex. Uh, I think it's another app-based game, which is the only real downside, as such. But still. you really love your uh, physical balls, don't, I, don't I, you? I do. Right, <laughs> but hey, I just praised Forgotten Waters. Go on. I, yeah. I forgot something. There is a sequel to Micro Macro Crime City coming in a few months. Oh, Hooray! really? Yeah, it's That's Micro great. Macro, and I don't remember what comes after, but it's not Crime City. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need the two, actually. It's research art sources. Yeah, but there is, there is, something, there is a sequel coming up. Micro Macro something. Uh, yeah, it's not Crime, it's not City, and the title is written in green. Oh, okay. Anyway. Let me just find it. Google. Um, full House. No, it's Micro Macro Crime City Full House. Sorry, that's the full title. Yep, there it is. It's got a little murdered um, sheep on the cover. Ooh. I definitely want to give it a try, to give a try to Micro Macro. That makes me think. Did, did you see that there is a kind of sequel to Parks coming? Yeah, no, it's another standalone game. Yeah, tra but, but, trails. Yep. Sequel, ish. It's like trails. How it's called. Well, um, then, uh, well, Planet X isn't one <laughs> Sorry. We've, we've played. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we can move on. But then we've got um, Beyond the Sun, which we've already talked about briefly. Well, I've, I've talked about it in the past, and Alessio's even spoken about it during this, as uh, he's uh, been our resident reigning champion on a hot winning streak. Wow. With a yeah. two winning streak, yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100% of games won in the last two games. I mean. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, Micro Macro also wins Light Game of the Year, uh, but then we got two runner-ups. Yeah, we, we got Project L, which is a polyomino placement game, which is actually a... Uh, uh, I have it, uh, actually. Yeah. Oh, tell us all uh, about it, because I like this. So yes, talk about uh, it. it. It is a great game, and what I really like about it is that you can really play with as many players as you want. Uh, it's It works really nicely as a solo game with two players, it has uh, some really fun tactics that, that you can play. And with uh, I, I played up to five players and it stayed interesting uh, all the way up. So basically I want to what eat you... these pieces. 
This is <laughs> yes, such an the, edible looking board game. The, the game looks absolutely amazing. It's extremely uh, pure and, and simple. You have those tetraminos and little uh, spaces within dents that you, you need to, to put them down. And the way that it functions is that you have to pick uh, boards with like a puzzle sheep, uh, a puzzle shape on them. Um, and then pick pick sheep, uh, shapes to, to put them onto that uh, that indentation and try to work out how to best uh, assemble a pool of um, of shapes that you can then use to, to fulfill as many puzzles as you can uh, during mm. your turn. And the it's... idea is that there's an engine building mechanic to that because during your turn you can do certain actions and if you fulfill a puzzle at the uh, you get an extraction, so you have to think how to um, uh, chain a few moves together. It's really interesting. I like it a lot. It's um, it, it is released on the thirtieth of June. Uh, it is you can pre-order it from uh, Rebel in Poland. Yeah. Uh, and it is like twenty odd euros plus shipping, about twenty three euros. It's yeah. really cheap, and what I like about it is that it's extremely portable. It's like a tiny box that mm. is really easy to bring to my parents. It's um, it's easy to to learn and to explain. I think it's a, it's really uh you know there's there's a reason why it's a contender for the game of the year. Now, I'm um, I'm gonna pick up a copy of this. I've already put it in the basket. I'll sort that out after the podcast. Yeah, and I was uh, um yeah. I was eyeing up uh, Santa Monica too because it's a game where you need to create the best boardwalk uh, yeah. for like a, a beach boardwalk, and well, it looks I, really pretty. Yeah, I, I um, reviewed this written for the um, oh. for the uh, yeah it's well, on Board Game Geek and also uh, our listeners who are Patreons should have like had notifications about it as well. It's, uh, it's open brilliant. now, so you can just drop by our Patreon and have a read. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it's 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 edible as heck. I I, <laughs> I, I love it and they I should, want to eat it. They should rename that category as uh, edible game game of mm. the year. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Then we got the medium games of the year. Um. Which has Lost Ruins of Arnak, which we've talked about in the past. Dune Imperium, we just talked about, and Calico, which Audrey talked about previously as well. Yes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the heavy game of the year, Jaws of the Lion, of course, is winning again because it got nominated in the category. The runner-up is on Mars, which I have, and it's it also won the um, uh, ARC presentation. Now, personally, I think Kanban EV is prettier than on Mars, but um, I can't argue like with uh, on Mars being on the list. And then there's Vice Council of West Kingdom, which I own and I've still not gotten to the table. Mm. Yeah. And then we have the excitingly joyous um, print and play section, which I don't know if anyone has managed to um, to print any of these. Uh, no. Actually, uh, I had a look, but didn't play. I printed, but didn't play Seventh Wonders Duel solo. Because uh, I I am actually a, a owner of Seven Wonders Duel, and uh, since it's one of the few games that my wife likes, 
uh, I was curious about it. I, I have to say uh, Ticket to Ride, Stay at Home and Rolling Realms, which are the runner-ups. Uh, I can't say anything about them, but Seven Wonders Duel Solo has actually a very smart solo mechanic and it's uh, it, it kind it kind of feels a lot like a two player game so uh, i have to say it's a good game nice uh, rolling realms um, looks very like self contained to print it looks like you could get a nice copy done with npc um, make playing cards as it's a card based game um, but uh, i haven't had a chance to do this cause i don't have a printer of my own so it's not really something can do much of although uh, next of all we have the solo game category the runner-ups were gloomhaven oh it didn't win and lost ruins of arnak which amazingly didn't win either they were both beaten by a game i'm lukewarm on but um space invaders the board game yes under falling skies aka space invaders the board game which i i have come to realize i just don't like the campaign I like just the random setup, have a go um, scenario thing, but I the campaign I just I know it's to teach you and introduce you to all the different elements as time passes, but I didn't didn't like it. Oh, that's too bad. I I, I didn't play the Under Falling Skies, the current version with the campaign, but I played the print and play. I think last year because it was uh, very hot. I think it was end of summer and uh, i was bored and trying to look for something to play i just printed and played under falling skies and it was kind of cool it was tense it was uh, uh, with a difficult with, with a difficulty with you could adjust to your uh, preferences it was uh, cool of course it's space yeah. invaders so uh, <laughs> basically you can't expect to have a complex game but it makes you pass 20 30 minutes uh, Solo, solo playing uh, without noticing. I think that Railroad Inc. is the other game who made it. Mm. I, I would say uh, it is definitely the best of the three as a solo game, in my opinion. Um, thematic games we'll skip because we've already talked about all of them. And the only war game that's new that hasn't appeared elsewhere is The Size 1919. I know nothing about war games. Yeah, me channel. neither. Me neither no, about, about this. So. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm sure it's very good. No, of course, uh, I'd say that Undaunted North Africa, North Africa won the, the war game section for me, even if, if it is a runner-up, because uh, there's this one good thing about Undaunted. Uh, you can play it even if you are not a war game player, because the economy of the cards, the way you play, uh, actually put the, the nitpicking, the... the endless number of stats and the problems which uh, people have with war games in general uh, in second in, in second plan so it's actually a good game well yeah yeah uh, we can't we can't, unfortunately don't have time to dwell on it too much that's why i'm yeah. trying to push through on the zoom ball games um i don't the ca people have complained about the category name whatever the games you can play remotely uh, forgotten waters one definitely should do just like Brilliant. Any number of players, fantastic. My City uh, got second place, which I think is interesting. It's a good game. Um, and you it's won't hear a me great say that game. About, you won't say, hear me say that about Kinitsia games very often, but it's a good game. Um, and Search for Planet X was the third runner-up. We just talked about it. Um, I will best, say that best, with, yeah, go on. 
Yeah, with NF Will, uh, you can zoom any game. I think yeah. that uh, Audrey and I we've played we, we played Seven Continents by uh, by camera. It was horrible to play, but we we had a fun time because uh, you know fun time with friends. Hard but doable. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. We also are having a, a world from our studio, and uh, apparently uh, David got swept up by the waters, so we'll have to do the rest of the episode without him, unfortunately. Yeah. If he can um, get a, a boat going, he may be able to <laughs> signal in Morse code occasionally, or, or flag semaphore, or give us yes. a shout. Uh, we uh, will, but uh... Luckily, he's a former sailor, so he, he, he will yeah. find a way. Um, on the best podcasts, uh, the... Molestandi. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, we're, we're uh, far too new for that. Too far bad. Too, new and too chaotic. Next year. Maybe. Uh, so very wrong about games won, and this game is broken, came second, uh, and the other runner-up was Board Game Barrage. Um, so very wrong about games is it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I concur all. also because it's the only one of the three I have actually listened to. You've got to wonder for how long um, he they can continue to be so very wrong about games, but uh, you know. That <laughs> uh, last of all, uh, best board game apps was um, Root. I, I, I got to agree, the Root app is fantastic. The Wingspan app, app, which is also really good, and uh, Cartographers is not something I'm familiar with. Oh, uh, but it's the uh, it's the it's a roll and write um, like uh, polynomial po- polynomial. You know, Polyominos, yeah. Polynominominominom, yeah. Um, uh, I, I I keep kept putting it into my basket to buy each month on my board game budget, and then taking it out at the last minute. Um, I believe it is actually uh from the same universe as Roleplayer. Um, oh. I, I I it's. I like the look of it. Um, I didn't know there was an app. I might just pick up the app instead. That may be easier now that it's sold out. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah, actually, uh, the the role of right games uh, they are always translated uh, uh, a lot efficiently in apps. So, Cartographers is a good candidate. Yeah, well, uh, that uh, we've got a little push for time. We talked about this longer than we planned to, but there was a lot of games. Let's look at our Golden Geek winners and runners up, and now we're going to go and take a look at a very, very good card game that uh, I have described as a card game so straightforward your grandparents could teach it to you. Um, Alexis, would you like to take it away? Or is it Alessio? Uh, oh. it, it was Alessio, but I can... Whoever, there's no problem. <laughs> I, I have not prepared any notes, but I can take it away. As uh, as Audrey could, because uh, Audrey was the one that uh, showed it to me. Well, uh, I we think we about... all could. Couldn't yeah, we? we are talking about uh, The Crew, which is uh, very much inspired by a genre of card game that is popular all across Europe. Uh, in every country, there's a different name for something that is very similar. Briscola. Uh, La yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's basically a cooperative game with a, a space setting, although the space setting doesn't really matter in my opinion, where every player is given a hand of card and they have a mission to accomplish. And that mission is going to be to uh, give a specific card to a specific player. Uh, sometimes there's going to be some complications. So for example, giving a uh, the first card, uh, giving them in a specific order or sometimes without any communication. Um, 
when they are allowed to communicate, the players can only communicate uh, one card that they have in their hand and say if it's the higher or the lower of a specific uh, suit. And then uh, on their turn, a player is going to announce a suit uh, by putting down a card and then other players are going to put a card of the same suit or uh, another suit if they, they don't have anything that matches and the player with the highest card wins the hand. And that's, that's how it plays. I've had a lot of fun with it personally, but I feel like there could be a little bit more interesting communication to, to make it more more responsive. It feels like sometimes I'm just looking at my end, quickly having a look at the board and then just putting my cards down. Um, and there's like a lot of uh, a lack of interactivity with the other player, the way I felt it. But uh, maybe the, the higher levels are better. What's great is that it's easy to explain, easy to play, and your grandparents probably uh, already know the rules better than you. So my parents um, played. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Audrey, uh, you can uh, you can say more about it because you played it a lot more than I did. Well, I played it just twice as much as you did because we, we played a few missions together and I did uh, one or two missions less uh, with my parents. Uh, yeah, with, with my parents, we've always, uh, as long as I remember, we've always played the, the bullet, uh, which is the, the word in French. Yes. And also with my grandmother and so I knew that to introduce them to a uh, co-op game that was a good one because it um, uses mechanisms that they already know and uh, can just be adapted so that's where we had an issue with my uh, mom having troubles with the TTS controls because uh, there were conflicting keys and so every time she was trying to right click on her screen to rotate her camera the camera was going left or right but like not stopping just going right uh, <laughs> so it was a bit annoying but uh, once we found it it was good also the, the, the mode which we used on TTS is fully scripted so you you just put your card and click and it resolves and calculates everything so that was a bit easier to do. The, the only thing that uh, is that, I, in my opinion, for people that are used to play well, the, the Bullet, which is a two versus two uh, game, it's better if you do maybe the first round while talking, and then you say, okay, now we don't talk. You can introduce the communication mechanisms as you play, and just do the first round where everyone can talk a bit, just to understand the the game. Yeah, actually, uh, I have to say that. Uh, uh, this is a this is actually a trick-taking game with uh, with the communication aspect, which is very important. Because my main observation about the crew is that this is uh, your typical summer summer evening game. You put the kids to sleep, and then you, with the family, start playing and play and play and play, and you can get to daybreak playing because uh, a game a mission lasts uh, for five or seven minutes and uh, you can file fast or su succeed fast and uh, the communication is all that makes or breaks the game uh, you play and uh, uh, 
basically there's a smart way of communicating because you put the card you want to communicate uh, you show the card to everyone else and you put your communication token on it in a position which would mean that this is the highest card you have in your hand that this is the lowest card you have in your hand or that this is the only card you have in your hand uh, since the missions vary in difficulty uh, this kind of communication is very important, especially when you should be the one making the taking the tricks, but uh, you cannot because you don't have uh, enough power in that suit to take the cards. So mm. uh, I, I play this game uh, both in person because, uh, uh, like Alexis said, it is very similar to local European version of the game Briscola or whatever, and. Uh, everyone knows how to play and the grandparents uh, actually uh, play it very very good so uh, i played it in person and i played it on uh, board game arena and i have to say if you play this is the most unsuitable game to play online especially taking turns because uh, what card a week <laughs> yeah be, be, being there in person or talking or in real time actually it doesn't it makes a difference even if you are supposed to not be talking. Yeah, it's um, this is something I played with the, the folks, and yeah, they, they jumped in very quickly with it. And I don't think it would be anywhere near as good if we weren't all sat around a table playing together. Although I would like to wind back and just address something. Alessio said you put the children to bed and then you play with your family. So. Yeah, 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 of They're course. They're excluded, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> no, actually, uh, I, I, have, I have to say the kids, when I played, were fi five and two years old, so yeah. actually they couldn't play. Because I when I play with my parents, I am the kid and I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I want to say for the record that uh, they, I love my kids uh, as if they were mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I also want to apologize to my wife for this joke. Yeah, yeah. You, you see, this is the fun thing about Alessio. If you give him a length of rope, sometimes he trips over it and then hangs himself. Yeah, of course. I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I do not get to play the crew enough. I really don't. Um, we are waiting for the next uh, family board gaming night. Um, but... We're gonna we're gonna be playing My City and we're gonna be playing the Century series, so we probably won't get to play Crew. Um, but it was it was the biggest hit that we've introduced them to uh, the uh, the old folks to, along with Tiny Towns. It was a huge hit as well. Yeah, um, Tiny Towns. <laughs> Tiny Towns. But best game I'm never gonna talk about on here. Yeah. I got the expansions for that recently, including the uh, little tree one. Yeah. yeah for for instance, uh, my, my kids are playing Tiny Towns. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. Um, I, I do think the crew is uh, just fantastic. I don't know if I'm going to get Mission Deep Sea. I'm not sure if we have still haven't like played every single variation in the crew because there's so many of them. And so I don't know if the Deep Sea is going to offer enough difference, even though I prefer the theme of Deep Sea Exploration. How do you guys feel about it? Searching for the lost continent of Moo. 
Uh, is it going to change anything gameplay-wise? Yeah, actually, the, the theme is really, really weak. Uh, I think that the suits uh, just define the kind of thing illustrated, like there's space training, space walks, and stuff like that, scientific research. But uh, the, th the theme is so light. Uh, um, I think I can uh, recap the crew in just the sentence. This is the most off-putting game you will ever like. Because uh, that's it. Uh, the, the game is unassuming. It has a weak theme. And uh, it is so simple that you wonder, why should I have fun in playing this? Then you play it, then you get to the very crazy missions, like uh, you have to make three... Three, three takes in order in different players and each player has to do and the player one has to do two has to take exactly two hands and the other has to take exactly four hands and so on and you actually are addicted to it you you will have just one more play and you will pass time uh, having fun uh, with, with everyone involved and it's very this is a great game that yeah, it's very strongly that one last game kind of thing, where everyone's like, one last game, and then you're like, mm, are we done now? Yeah. Um, yeah. One I, game is so fast. Yeah, it is, it is. I, I just, I, I, there are apparently some tricks and surprises that um, uh, Deep Sea will have that's different. The main thing I've seen at, which is selling me on it, is apparently if you lay out all of the cards for each suit, it creates a little underwater-like scene. I don't know if that happens. I don't know if that happens with the actual crew. I've never laid the cards out for that. And there's a hammerhead shark on one of the cards, and an orca on another, and a manta ray on another. Um, so I'm kind of wishing I didn't own <laughs> the 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 crew and had just waited for Mission Deep Sea instead because I, I like this theme more. But I don't know. I don't think I'd want both. You know, all the card of a suite playing a, she a scene is actually uh, an, an idea stolen from Lost Cities by Rainer Knixia. Oh, it's 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 not even from Lost Cities. It's very old. Like, <laughs> it's a tri okay. that's, a, that's a triptych, you know. A and it's still one of the best to player game anyway. It's a very good game, yeah. Did we mention mm -hmm. that the crew won the expert game of the year at the Cannes uh, Online Awards? No, we, we did not. didn't. Now we did. So now it's done. Very deserved uh, winner. I mean, uh, there was a big controversy again. It's in the French community about whether it's an expert game or not. And after having played it, I will say it's uh, for me. It's not an expert game, but it's not a family game. It's in that in-between where you can play, you can introduce the people very easily in the first missions because it's easy. And some missions are worthy of, yes, being called expert missions, but some missions are not enough for me to say, yes, it's an expert game. I, I, still, have, I still have to win mission 43. Uh, we haven't even got anywhere near that. I haven't had enough time to, to play it. Yeah, we stopped at like mission 5 or 6. <laughs> oh, you lightweights. We deeper. at least got to mission like 20 something before we stopped for the evening. Uh, after many circumstances of, um, of my partner's father like confidently playing a card and everybody else around the table simultaneously no! face palming. <laughs> and, and then he'd look at it going, oh no, I've been stupid again. All right. Uh, yeah, let's um, 
uh, yeah, it, it's very. Uh, it's one of those things where you take they take a very simple um, set of mechanics and build something wonderful out of it. Um, and I think this uh, it this does what Hanabi was trying to do, but in a better fashion. Honestly, in in my opinion, it's it's a game worth knowing, but it won't be an unforgettable game for me. Yeah, it's cool. Whatever. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. So that brings us to the last game. This is Ven Strong Arms, their own topic in because um, I've actually been writing a review on this. I've played about fifty hours of this game over the past week, um, and that it, it's gonna be re-released with a second Kickstarter next month, which is part of the reason I'm like I'd like to talk about it now and do a review on it now because this is Wild Ascent from Lazy Squire Games. Uh, this is interestingly the second cab game to actually get a release which is um a cooperative ai boss battler or boss battler uh kingdom death being the first one that ever got released and this one is is the second um for some people i think it kind of snuck under the radar uh partly because the theme is very generic fantasy it feels a lot like the descent terranoff world in its art style Mm. but anyway it's a one to four player game you take the role of seekers who are going around the wilds outside this um, gladiatorial city called Silverstream. Uh, it's Silverstream, but missing an R and missing an A, which is always fun when you're trying to write the name because um, you keep writing Silverstream and then you have to go back and derpify <laughs> it. Uh, you have um, you have multiple different ways to play it. There's a player versus player gladiatorial skirmish combat game like um, Warhammer uh, Underworlds. I haven't played that. Uh, it's not my jam. There's uh, two campaigns, one which is a solo player prologue campaign um, that gradually builds up the mechanics and teaches you the setting and everything. Uh, and that feeds into a cooperative multiplayer campaign, um, which again feeds you more and more of the setting and has slightly harder and harder games and then after that i recommend you that's the order you play them in um after that you've got the survival mode which is where you rock up everybody picks a seeker so you've got four of them um or you have you have to have four no matter the number of players and you have to survive 10 seasons perhaps fighting the twin dragon at the end which is like the biggest creature in the setting at the moment um this was a 2018 Kickstarter, uh, and it landed on my door like last, like just a few, couple of weeks ago. Um, so reasonable turnaround. Um, it's interesting in that the character development is you have your basic that you've got a character they've got movement you've got health you move orthogonally um, but some characters can move diagonally which really changes their experience and one of them can even fly um, they have a health pool for their defenses so if you reach zero health you're downed and you're out of the fight but there are revives and there's healing as well in the game um, and then the characters have like split magic um, and physical defenses and some characters will fight physically, some will fight magically. So there's a division on that as well, but everything's sort of very much set in advance. This isn't a complex game. It's not a long game. You're going to typically get a campaign done in three, four weeks. Um, The the seekers do advance though. They start out with two abilities um, and those vary. Uh, depending on what they are. Fanny, the very unfortunately named Fanny, who's a cat woman, in case you're not sure, Fanny um, is a body part in, in the UK. 
um, a female body part. So, okay. Not yeah, most yeah. people know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why when Americans call their packs fanny packs, um, where the, the yes, the it's British, very unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah. Whereas in the UK they would be called bum bags, which is still kind of unfortunate. <laughs> is, it, um, is it much better? It's not really. No, it's all silly. Um, uh, before anyway, you continue, I just on. had a one quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the game is, uh, from what I understood, is a lot more crowded on the board, right? Like you don't fight just one big enemy. You usually have a, a lot of minions and, and other yeah. um, enemies on, on it. Yeah, it's um, it has a single set arena. So you, you're not really moving from one location to another once you start the fight. So it's got that same showdown. They call it an encounter. But yeah, there's usually multiple foes. Um and uh, I was going to get get onto that after I just finished like oh, okay. talking about the upgrading. So characters have a bunch of unlockable abilities on their board. They're tied to the buildings in your uh, encampment, which is like for Kingdom Death players, your settlement. It has five buildings. As you level them up, the characters will unlock other abilities. And it varies for each character as to which building they need upgraded to what level. The buildings get stronger as well. You've got a little bit of light crafting sprinkled in there, um, which is tied to the workshop location and also uh, tied to workers who are like, you can have three workers, they're cards. They're like someone who lives in your camp and does stuff for you. And they give you like a, a set ability and sometimes they give you an extra craftable item. So there's light crafting. If you kill creatures, you can get resources or you can capture them, get gold, gold, you trade it in to upgrade buildings. Um, now the encounter, as uh, Alexis was asking, is indeed like f- many versus many. Uh, the creatures all have a set number of instinct cards, AI cards, and they're shoveled into a big pile together. So the creatures act as kind of one multi-headed creature is the way to think of it. Like It's like as if in Kingdom Death uh, you had a, f- a monster that was four separate monsters, um, but when you drew a card each turn, one of them would act, but not necessarily all the parts um mm. every kind of cre- smog singers yes kind of like what they're talking about we- doing with the smog singers and everything <laughs> they're not out yet so it's hard to <laughs> yeah but yeah the the idea of multiple things being controlled by a single deck uh every single different creature has a well-defined expressed personality they have like mm. five cards um and you'll get used to them some of them like the wisp the exalted are support healers so you're like well we need to eliminate those as fast as possible um others uh, uh, there's some summoners that like are problematic because they flood a load of little tiny guys on the board as well would you say uh, that it ever gets too crowded no no uh the most number of creatures you're facing is five um and then maybe some summons and the characters you there are a fair few that have like aoe sweeping abilities that are very good at mopping up the summons um also because you have uh some choice where you're going to fight you do like a scouting phase and you draw a number of different um, location cards which will tell you roughly what's going to be on there at least like one creature you get to tailor this a bit yeah you you, Mm. amazingly this scouting phase like which is literally just spend two actions for two seekers so four actions total go scout draw some cards pick one it feels better 
it's a better yeah. hunt phase yeah it's really <laughs> you, you're making like you look at each location each one has a modifier and you're like oh crikey so the monsters are more dangerous and deal more damage here but over here we take one damage at the start of every one of our activations because we're burning and on fire Oof. and this one just has this thing that we don't want to fight because we just fought it and it was a pain in the butt for us so yeah, it's um it, it's it's interesting very good yeah and and essentially uh, for me this game is is like a must-have for people who enjoy uh, cooperative versus intelligent foes, card-based AI foes, you know, cab games, because it's like slightly heavier than Townsfolk Tussle. Um, it's this uh, middle ground that's longer. really missing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it, it is. It's, we've got up at the top end, we've got like uh, Aeon Trespass, and we've got Sankakushin, and of course we have the already released Kingdom Death. And every single one of those is looking to be something you invest multiple months in playing which is fine and great um and townswick tussle is like maybe you could play it in a week in a, in a weekend like maybe one or two sessions and you're done it's only four fights this is yeah. like 10 fights and it occupies that nice space in the middle it's also pretty light it's like townswick tussle in that the creatures have just health points so you don't worry about hit locations or anything fancy like that you just deal damage to them and the, their health drops and i really like the battle system which um, I didn't get much of a chance to go into. Uh, but briefly, you have a base damage, which is when you attack, you always deal this much damage, and then you have dice uh, that you will roll. And that gives every character an interesting feel, because one character, Varaclea, she has five base damage and zero dice. So you know exactly how much damage she's going to deal every time. Um, but that means she doesn't trigger any special abilities or anything funky. And in contrast to that Lestrida, um, who is the most broken character in the game, she, I, I'm going to have to speak to Lazy Squire about her. Um, <laughs> but she rolls a ton of dice and has a very low base damage. So she's ideal for somebody who's like, I want to chuck dice and really have that exciting what's going to happen kind of experience. Um, so there's a seeker for almost everyone. If you want to play a tank, they're there. If you want to play um, mages, archers, uh, healers, self-healers, everything. I, I found almost none of the characters are worse than any of the others. Everything's very nicely balanced. There's some super cool characters. Matsu, um, she plays like uh, Wolverine, so she can't be easily healed by other people, but she has masses of self-healing. Um, so, okay. yeah, I, I, I just... I've had a great time. Now, all of that said, i got to get onto the caveats before I answer any questions you might have. First of all, models are really small, but they were cast in red, resin by Archon. Those are being changed for the Kickstarter. They're bigger, and that was would have been one of my complaints, is they need to be bigger. They will be much bigger. Um, sculpts, though, are great. The rulebook is ass. Like, it's terrible. Um, not How... the worst rulebook I've ever used. It's functional, but it's just a lot of mistakes and missed things. Is okay. worse than Robinson Crusoe? Uh, how would you say that the um, sometimes like uh, how hard are the rules like is it uh is it a complicated game to to learn and play is, no. is the is a bad rule book something that's going to be really the the, the bad rule book is just like irrelevant when you okay. get down to it the mechanics of the game and the underlying stuff is solid and easy to understand it's just kind of badly laid out some things are not well uh, covered sometimes the text refers to the wrong thing 
like the very first encounter in the solo campaign, I spent half an hour looking for creatures that didn't exist because <laughs> they had a different name. And I, I had to, yeah, yeah, it's just that kind of stuff. They just need a good person to go in and comb through the rule book and tighten it all up. Um, yeah. It, it, that, it, the, that the actual game. Really... That would, that would be really unprofessional for a big board game with, uh, you know, uh, cab-style da- battles to have mislabeled cards. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> so the the game is good despite the rulebook. The the game is everything about the game. I, I played it and I struggled with the rulebook. Right. And it took me a while to get into it. But once I did and I was like, I see the flow of the game, I was like, this is just fun. The, it the, sounds really the, These fun. different characters, the way they all unlock, the fact that you can just play like three, maybe three, four weeks and you're done um, if you played once a week. And then it's time to grab another four characters and see how they fit together. I, I um, In one particular thing, I had Zaxos, who's like, kind of the lead character he's sort of a tank but he has a resurrection ability um and i had um i, I said a name earlier i get right lestida um now lestida has a her ultimate ability like right at the end is uh, if she dies she deals 10 damage to the thing that attacked her um and zaxos can for three health resurrect an ally back up at 10 health so i basically had this situation where lestida would just run at things and slaughter them and, and not worry about her health and when she fell over she'd basically kill something and then zaxos would pick her back up into the fight immediately it's just like fastball special get in there don't worry about it um and that's just one thing like Vara Cleaver, I really enjoyed because she has summons, so she she's a bit of a pet um, character. Hmm. Uh, and also, um, before we finish, Felt was really a lot of fun. He is um, the squire of one of the NPCs that you battle at one point during the game. And he is utterly useless and lazy in that when it comes to the encampment phase, he sleeps most of it away. So he's useless for all of the things you're supposed to be doing during encampment. But he always fully heals between every single fight. And he does like um, a lot of taunting, and but takes hits for other people and everything. So yeah, I was like, really sweet kind of unusual way of tanking in that he just, he doesn't really taunt or draw attention. He stands next to someone who needs the protection and just dives in the way. Uh, it's it, really good. I, I'm, I think I might call it like a 9 out of 10 game. I don't rate games 10 out of 10. Um, I am absolutely going to back the second Kickstarter and I think I might just fully back everything because I want the bigger models I want the full revised rulebook I want the updated experience I'm okay. gonna I, I'm gonna shoot them a link to my written review when it comes out because there's a I, I hope they look at the problems I have with the game and make sure they're addressed um, it certainly seems like they are aware of the the issues and they were open to feedback from the community during their um during their their first time round, they did open like beta te- play testing with people. So Did you look at that? Yeah, yeah. I think this is this is a franchise that I uh, I think is great. And for people who played Descent or Sword and Sorcery, who want that step into, uh, I want a smarter AI opponent. I think this is the place you go. Hmm. Like you know, but along with Townsfolk Tussle, this is uh, you know of the of the Kickstarters that have released these uh, within this genre. These are my two like top two because of how different and how light they are and that's all respect to um aeon trespass which i i really love as well but these two ooh, 
this is all right great. well uh, high praises then i definitely need to to have a look at those yeah, there's uh, on Game Founders the preview page of the new campaign. You yep. can you can start following it uh, with a follow mechanism in Game Founder. They usually add bonuses. Um, yeah, you can just have a look there. Yeah, if you follow and then for pledge afterwards, you will get a um, a free model. It's some guy riding a dinosaur. Um, yeah, he's not, he's, he's not in the the game I have, so he's new. It's but, not yeah. just a dinosaur; it's a golden axe dinosaur. Oh, oh! I didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> it's it's like the the the, the, the dinosaurs you got in gold, you got to mount to mount in golden axe. Oh yes, it's like a triceratops, but it's got tiny front legs. Yeah, he's a, yeah. <laughs> he's like a some kind of bird guy. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's called Wild Ascent Lavon Rising. You should be able to find it. Maybe we'll put a link in the description um, for this podcast. It's launching in 19 days, and I think you should at least like go and follow it um, for sure, and then decide if you want to pledge or not. But I can tell you, I'm going to be like, I, I'm, I'm in. I, I love, really, really love this, and I want the bigger models. Um, they are days. way bigger. 19 mm. days from publication of a podcast. No, 19 days when we're recording. <laughs> so from, from uh, the big it, it's the it's the end of this month, the end of June. It will be launching. Okay. Right. So it's 19 days since uh, we lost David to the flood. Yeah, David, <laughs> David got flooded away. Yes, yes. Unfortunately. Can we call Master Chief to fight the flood? Oof. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm super excited because uh, when you get on there, you'll be able to have a look. That I uh, put it in our chat. There's this thing um, which I don't have. It's a new creature. It's massive. Like they've they've said it's going to be. Um, oh, they had a scale on there for it. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, it did. That thing is going to be uh, 120 millimeters tall, which is like wee. That's a pretty good uh, good size for a game that's just launching. That sounds, that sounds the, nice. the, Yeah, um, I mean, i got to say as well, uh, they, they did a small, responsible, sensible-sized um, uh, Kickstarter. It was only three boxes when it arrived. It was two campaigns and the PvP mode and the PvE mode. And I thought, you know what? They turned this around nice and quickly, and, um, and it's just great. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think this is just. I know it's got Lavon Rising's a bit of a weird name, and some people have complained about that. But heck, the dwarf is called Berlin, so you know. That's a good name for a dwarf. It is. It's it's spelt uh, Beryl Lin, but yeah, it's Berlin. So uh, anyway, I'm gonna stop gushing about it because we're getting close to time. So um, anyone have any questions? Playtime. How long uh, a session? How long an uh, encounter? Uh, you can do an entire encounter cycle. With, so encampment scout encounter within about um, an hour and a half to an hour. Um, depending on how long, much discussion you want to do. It's fast flowing. Set up, tear down. Um, pretty fast. Uh, you are the, the organization within the box is phenomenal. It's got foam trays for everything. It's got proper good trays for all the local pieces. Uh, so literally your characters, you just pull them out and they're ready to go um, from single board. So yeah, it's 
I think I could be set up within 20 minutes. Okay, table space. Um, quite small if you alternate the, um, like, you, you don't have the encounter board and the encampment board out at the same time. But even with both of them on there, you're talking about the size of Kingdom Death with everything out. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, so, right. well... That's all we have time for this episode. You can catch us over at www.patreon.com forward slash The Last Standee or as The Last Standee on Twitter. And until next time, it's goodbye from Alexis. From Belgium. Au revoir. Alessio. Ciao. Audrey. Bye bye. Myself. And David, if he could manage to withstand the flood and tide and wasn't lost on a boat somewhere, uh, would also be saying goodbye. And remember that the second E in standee is for Igris. We'll miss you, David. <laughs> we'll catch you up next time on how he's doing. <laughs> <laughs>